Hello, and welcome to From My Home to Yours, Episode 2. I'm Matt. And I'm Bernadine. And welcome back to the podcast. It has been amazing to see the reception that Episode 1 has received. And it has been wonderful to have so many messages and different people just contacting us in different ways to say that they enjoyed the episode or to say that they felt that we as a couple were doing a pretty good job at what we're doing, which Mm. was so lovely to hear. Yeah, it was friends and family and people that we've never even met before. So it was really interesting to hear. So we thought we'd, we'd start off the second episode just giving a few shout outs to those people. It definitely won't be all of you, but it's just a few that we thought we'd make mention of just to, you know, make you all feel special. You're so special. (laughs) I particularly want to say, give a shout out to Diane, our friend Lucy's mum, who's in England, who wrote us a beautiful message to congratulate us on the podcast and to say that she really enjoyed it and that she wanted to give it five stars, which we're very appreciative of. Yep, definitely. And we also want to thank Michelle, who found us through Irish expats returning to Ireland. So somebody we do not know at all who left Mm. a little message on the Irish expats page uh, congratulating us and saying that she's looking forward to hearing some more. So that's awesome. Yeah, it's great. And this one isn't a shout out from a received feedback, but more to try and get someone enticed. But there was someone I met at the the local JB Hi-Fi, Ryan, who upon me mentioning uh, that I was going to be moving overseas, he struck up a conversation and he ended up saying that he was going to be going there on holiday and potentially be moving there. So, uh, Ryan, if you're picking up this episode, then we've recognised you, sir. <laughs> Great to have you on board. And we also want to give a shout out to our friends Yasmin and Lockie, Lucy and Josh and Maria and Shane who've all been peddling the podcast to as many people as they can. And they're so supportive and so wonderful. And we really appreciate everything that you do, guys. And we think you're awesome. Yeah. Also want to mention uh, the amount of compliments for the audio quality. It has come up with multiple people. So, Mm. Matt, you're doing an amazing job. And two of the people who've particularly complimented the audio happen to be two members of my family who are actually sound engineers. So... When you impress two sound engineers, you're doing a pretty good job. Well done. Well, thank you. But it takes two to tango. Yay! (laughs) Now we'll get into the episode. Yeah, let's get stuck into it. Already breaking first cardinal sin that we promised in the first episode, where we would be drinking tea every time we did this podcast. Instead, we're, uh, we're drinking German mulled wine equivalent. Quink! But yeah, because it's, it's a bit of a cold day today, isn't it? It's freezing. It's really cold. It's really wet in Melbourne right now. Uh, it does actually get extremely cold in Australia. People don't like to think about it or talk about it. Uh, it's not closer each day, home and away every single day. Um, but it is the right <laughs> time of year for it to be this cold. And it's it's quite an Irish day out there. And uh, we decided that maybe mulled wine would be the go for our recording today. So we're not doing tea, but we will in the future, we promise. Well. It's a kind of tea with berries. Berries and cream. Berry tea. <laughs> I'm a little lad who loves berries and cream. Yes. Hopefully there's a section of the audience that does get that reference as opposed to many Australians that don't. So many TikTokers out there. Somebody's bound, bound to get it. <laughs> anyway, welcome back to us talking about our journey to Ireland from Australia. 
And um, if you listened to the first episode, you would have gotten a bit of a background about us, what we're like, and uh, some of the reasons for us making the move and some of our feelings. And uh, if you haven't listened to that yet, definitely urge you to give that a go. We strongly recommend that you journey with us from the very first instance that you can. But speaking of journey, Matt, we're literally weeks out now. It's no longer months. It's actually weeks. Yep. It's getting pretty close. It is. And it's starting to feel like it's getting quite close, both for us and for those that we love, both here and over there, which is both exciting and a little bit trepidatious and a little bit sad. Mm. So that's going to be some of the aspects of our discussion today. Yeah, we'll be talking about some of the emotional stuff that that we're thinking about and going through. And for those of you that, that have a bit of trouble thinking about the way you'd feel close to the time, this can kind of be a, a way to capture that and for you to reflect on it yourselves. Yeah. Exactly. Well, there are so many different emotions that you feel. And like you said, at different times, even mm. at a certain part of a day, you can be feeling a certain way. And by the evening, you can feel differently. But because of our situation, me being Irish and you being Australian, I think it's good to navigate both sides of this from both perspectives. Yeah, for sure. But we have achieved a lot since our last episode, since our last recorded episode, even though releasing, they were very close together. Mm -hmm. What are some of the things that you are very glad to have ticked off the list? Well, look, for me, selfishly, that I have now set up my, or almost set up, it's a, neither here nor there at this stage, but I've gone through most of the process to set up my Bank of Ireland bank account, which is gonna be my personal account and had to be set up the way it was because it is possible with the Bank of Ireland to set up an account from another country, which a lot of the other banks didn't seem to offer, or if they did, it was incredibly difficult to get it done. So that's an early tip for anyone listening, looking to do it. Uh, from Australia at least, the process was incredibly straightforward, except for the time of having to complete it where I kind of had to do it at eight to nine o'clock at night. But yeah, that's it. That's a big thing off the list and will get us in the ground running, which is great. So what were some of the things that you had to have ready for that, Matt? Was there any particular paperwork or any particular level of organization that was required? So the biggest thing was having a proof of address for where you live in Australia or wherever your country of residence is. There's a few countries that have tax issues with declaring them. And that's another thing you'll need as an Australian. You'll have to have your tax file number ready because they'll uh, presume that you're paying taxes as a resident of another country. So you'll need to have that available when you sign up. But the biggest things you need is a proof of address from a utility bill or something that shows that you have lived in an address that you're declaring that you're setting up the account from. And I thought it was two main pieces of ID, but it's really just one because they don't accept Australian driver's license as a form of ID. So passport and then a selfie with your passport. I did see that picture. You look incredibly cute in that picture. No. You do. But um, they don't ask for a newspaper of the day or anything like that. Just proof that you have your passport in your possession. Or a banana for scale. (laughs) Well, scale is important for my passport picture, but... We're maintaining our privacy on this podcast, so I won't share that with with the listeners. I think that's a very good idea. I think that's a very good idea. But that yeah. is a massive thing to have ticked off the list. And it's also wonderful that you find it relatively straightforward because mm. I obviously spoke to you at various points along the journey of 
you doing that, but we didn't necessarily have an in-depth conversation. I'm only really hearing now what was involved in it because it just seemed to kind of come together quite swiftly. Well, it's it's one of those things that, that you didn't have to worry about that True. was, you know, even if you were a part of the process, at some point you would have had to go, Matt, give them this bit. It's It's time for them. They need that bit of your information now. But I was aware of it for a long time before I did it. Yes. Because I, I started the process two weeks ago to get it locked in. But I did the research and explored the different banks and their options and how to actually drill down to the bit that I needed to apply for and had that lined up and ready to go whenever we were ready to do it. And if it became easier, I probably would have uh, waited until we got into the country because there is a lot of things that have to be ticked off in a chain of events in order for everything to be locked in, uh, as we'll go over in later in this episode or in future episodes. But yeah, it seemed very straightforward and people I talked to were very nice and reassuring and very, very Dublin. Yes, well, that's the thing. <laughs> it's actually interesting when you do have those phone calls and it's something that's so silly and I'm going to have to just get my head around it. But every time I get off the phone, I go, God, they sounded so Irish. And it's just because <laughs> I'm just not expecting to marinate in so many Irish accents anymore. And so it's just very, very beautiful, but also odd when you get off the phone with somebody and go, oh, my gosh, no, they are Irish, just like I'm Irish, but they live there full time. It is a weird experience because I feel like my ears are pricked up in Australia to hear an Irish accent and immediately go, oh my gosh, are you Irish? Where are you from? But obviously when we go home to my home, it's going to be everyone pretty much like 90% of the population is likely to be Irish. So it's going to cease to be uh, some, a point of conversation because obviously that's where they're from. Mm. Well, I also had a wonderful conversation this week with a very helpful Irish person because I wanted to, uh, ring up about our Garda interview, which needs to take place after we arrive into Dublin airport. So this is the one for the visa that lets me work indefinitely. Correct. Because we're married. Because we're married. Exactly. So um, you have to have your original marriage certificate. Both parts of the couple have to be together, have to arrive in to whatever airport in Ireland, I believe, at the same time. And you have to present your marriage certificate and explain why you require a particular stamp. It's a stamp four, I believe, that goes onto your passport. And then within, I believe it's three weeks, you have to present at a Garda station, preferably one that is local to you so that they have some knowledge of of who you are, uh, or at least of where you're from. And there is some more paperwork that has to be completed. Um, Both parties have to present at the Garda station together with passports, with original um, marriage certificate and with um, something to prove the address that you're living in, at least initially in Ireland, if you haven't already got a rental. So I rang up and I spoke to a really, really lovely guard and she told me who to contact and the rest of it was via email and genuinely couldn't have been nicer and just wonderful to deal with. So they were two really positive interactions and pieces of organisation that we have 90% completed as of this week. But they were, the person you talked to was incredibly accommodating. Unbelievable. I think like yes. they invited you to a different Garda station than the one we were aiming for. In addition to just asking for, I think, a note from your parents who will be living with to start out with, uh, indicating as proof that we would be living there. Exactly. As proof of address. So it's all about who you know. Yeah. And I just think as well, um, 
you know, it's that realisation that nobody um, is setting you up to fail. Like people want you to achieve your goal of living, you know, in your home country. And uh, certainly the experiences that we've had so far, the indication has been that people are trying to do what they can to make that possible for you. And, you know, obviously on Irish expats returning to Ireland, the Facebook group that we spoke about before, you do hear lots of different types of stories. But by and large, I would say at least 90 percent are people are really helpful and trying to do what they can to make it possible, which is lovely. So it's really good. But the main thing is that phone calls seem to be the thing that makes it happen. That's what I found really weird about setting up a bank account. I mean, there was a bit of it done by email, but it was talking on the phone and filling out the application that way that ultimately moved the the creation of it along. So phone calls. Phone calls are the way to go. And same thing happened when we were investigating car insurance, Mm. because like everybody, you know, that's a big part of obviously getting underway once you get back to Ireland is having a vehicle and having a means to get from A to B. Unfortunately, what many people listening may not realize is that I, in fact, do not know how to drive. So that is something that I will be tackling once I get to Ireland. Uh, It's not due to laziness. It's due to fear. Um, But I'm hoping to tackle that fear once we get to my home country. Uh, Australia has just not proven a fertile ground for me to learn (laughs) to drive just purely because particularly in Melbourne, there's a lot to navigate with trams and traffic and it's just too busy for me and as a quite a nervous passenger and I'd imagine a nervous trainee driver it's better to have something that feels a bit more familiar and um, but we did get in touch with Mary from Healy's who as everybody knows is just the goat when it comes to car insurance and we had sent her an email and then we decided to follow it up with a phone call and she did say listen, I'm really sorry, but I'm better on the phone. So if you do send me an email, it's a good idea to follow it up with a phone call. She was as exceptional as everybody says she is. She was wonderful to talk to. uh, Such a decent, kind human being. Uh, And she was so amazing and is obviously so well known through Irish Expats Returning to Ireland Facebook group that we asked if she'd like to be on the podcast and maybe we could ask her some questions. And she was very chuffed to be asked, but said, maybe my boss should be the person that you speak to. So that's something that we're hoping to line up to get the owner of Healy Insurances on to talk to us about how insurance and how can be navigated once you're getting ready to move home. And then obviously once you're back in Ireland as well. But that's a myth busted as well, that, or at least from my experience hearing about Mary Mary Healy, or Mary from Healy's rather, that she's not the boss. Everybody's talked about her doing all those great things. It's so true because it's so funny on the Irish Expats page, people go Mary Healy and it's like, no, her name's not Mary Healy. Her name is Mary and she works for Healy Insurances, but she has a different, she has a different surname. And people are like, what? She's not Mary Healy. So uh, I think Mary is so well known at this point as Mary Healy that she has to, uh, she has to have her own identity (laughs) separate to that. But she is, she's absolutely awesome. And she, she really does want people to have their insurance sorted as soon as possible and to get the best possible price and that was something that she was very keen to navigate for us as well which is amazing well i think the amount we predicted that it would probably be based on i think a quote that that your mother got correct it was almost half that maybe a little bit more with an additional driver when you're learning correct but yeah it was incredibly reasonable and it's it's about navigating that system yeah at the end of the day 
And it's also about knowing who to talk to. And that's why, you know, resources like Irish Expats has been so helpful because we wouldn't necessarily have heard about her except for that page. We do have friends who moved home around this time last year who also used her service. So we could have heard about her in a different way. But just to have that touchstone and say, go to Mary, she's your first port of call, you know, go to Bank of Ireland to get your bank account, you know, ring your police station, your Garda station. The recommendation on Irish expats is about six weeks out to ring them. But interestingly, when I rang the Garda station, they said it's actually too early for us to book you in. So I suppose it depends on if it's a city station or if it's a country station. Ours would be a country station, um, so it may not necessarily have the same foot traffic for this reason. Um, But I did see a post on Irish Expats where some people said there was a 12-week wait. So it depends on what stage you are on your own journey and getting ready. It's probably no harm to make that call in advance if you do have a non-Irish partner coming with you. And if you are married and eligible for this type of stamp and visa, uh, it's probably a good idea to ring, you know, two to three months ahead of time and just check it out. And if it's if it's not a goer, then come back to them later. But again, this is a thing that we're fortunate in the position to be where we don't have to hit the ground running with this necessarily. Like we'll get there, we'll have a week or two to get our bearings a little bit. And in that time, we can choose when to organise for this um, these appointments to happen to make sure it all is lined up before we get into things proper. Whereas there are a few stories from that uh, expat Facebook group and a couple of other Facebook groups that I've seen where circumstances don't allow people to go at the same time or have yes. both their passports available and things like that. So we are very lucky. Yeah, there are some sense. there are some situations where one partner has maybe gone ahead with the children to get them set up in Ireland and then the other partner has been trying to wrap things up. And so obviously then how do they navigate that if they're married? So it is it can be a tricky scenario. But you know, we're we're talking from our own experience. We're not saying that we are the uh, oracles and all of this. So there's plenty of um, ways to find out this kind of information. Uh, so if if what we're saying does not necessarily apply to you, it's always good to do your own research. And we're just speaking from what we personally have experienced. Yeah. Oh, by the other end, we'll be pros. Oh, sure. yeah. Just like I'm hoping <laughs> to be a professional trapeze artist, Matt. I haven't given up on that dream. Nope. I haven't given up on that dream. No, well, after you get your, your driver's license, we'll, uh, we'll investigate your tra- tra- trapeze license. Yeah, trapeze license. It has to be a thing, surely. Qualification, if the, certification. If the um, driver's license is testing coordination skills, which it is to a certain extent, then surely trapezery, that's right, I said it, trapezery might be doing the same thing. Does that mean you become a trapezius? Oh, maybe I become a trapezoid Maybe a particular it's, shape. Maybe that's the shape of the card. That you get it's a trapezoidal <laughs> certification <laughs> oh my god i would love that not really sure if everybody can hear but it's fairly pelting down with rain in the background so i think we're quite glad that we're having our mulled wine it's the right kind of weather to be tucking into this particularly wintry drink yeah yeah we have another major item that we ticked off the list as well in the last couple of weeks matt and that is The renting of the house. Exactly. So within, well, really within the last couple of months, we've been investigating different rental agencies to pick what we would feel is the best fit for us. Mm. It's a particular situation when you're leaving your home in the hands of an agency and moving to another country. You have to really trust that they will do a good job and you have to really trust that and feel confident that you can 
walk away and only be available really on phone calls and emails and that everything should be smooth and straightforward. So we picked a particular agency based on the fact that they sold your grandparents' house a number of years ago. Yeah, it was a connection from a family member that hooked us in with them. While they were the first of three that we explored, they ended up being the lucky recipient of our custom. I don't know how do you put that. <laughs> well, I think it was just the fact that through the conversations we had with the agents, we felt that they were of a similar mindset to us and that they were they just they just suited or they fit the the mold of what we were expecting that particular job description to do. And they were very on top of things and they were very professional, but they were also quite realistic about how we should show the home and how we should prepare in advance of showing the home and all mm. of that kind of thing. So, And that's, that's the big thing, the experience, but also the frankness of the people we talked to at the end of it. It just made it feel more accommodating. You know, it was kind of cutting through the, the salesmanship of renting a home. When you think about it, real estate agents don't make their money from rentals, they make them from sales. So you'd expect that not not a huge amount of attention would be given and yet and an, enough attention and transparency was what we got from the real estate agent we picked at the end of the day. So that would be a big tip for anyone looking to pick that. Make sure, and, and it's going to differ but depending on the person that visits you or the people occupying the real estate agent at the time because it's not just a, a passive system as an application that you don't have to talk to people about. Like it, it's all about talking to people. Correct. So if you like the people, then odds are you're going to have a decent experience about with the, the real estate agent themselves. So we had to get ready for some open for inspections, mm -hmm. uh, which we did. And we had our home looking as inviting and welcoming as possible. As not barren as it could possibly look, <laughs> you know, an idea of what's inside without the full home experience. Exactly. And, and that's the difficulty, I guess, at this point in our preparation is you know, you want to start packing up some boxes, but you still want your home to look like a home for people walking through, but you don't want it to look like your home necessarily because you want them to see it as a blank slate that they can make into their own home. So there were a few sort of things that we had to navigate there. Um, so we had a couple of open for inspections, but the first day of our first open for inspection, as we were leaving, there was people queuing up to go into our home. And I said to Matt, is this a bit weird? Like, we love our home. But we want other people to love it too, and we want them to live in it. <laughs> yeah. Is this just really not what you should be doing? Like, is this some, something that's extremely odd? But I suppose the, the way you have to think about it is, like, your home brings you so much joy. And if it can bring somebody else joy and they can take care of it whilst you're not in it, and it can be their home in the same way that you have felt it to be your home, then that's a good thing. Mm. But it's not a, this isn't just an investment property for us either. That's like I was trying to reflect at the time about whether I'd ever accidentally seen an owner for any rental property or property looking to buy that I'd seen. And I'd never seen the owners ever. Mm. So it was a first time. But that would be the rental property, investment property mindset that it is just a, an investment of money that's looking to be filled. So it wouldn't have people's prizely possessions or be their place of home. You know, not everyone's looking to go to another country having just purchased their first home. So yeah, it was a little bit different this time. But I think the way that we organized the place and the way that you were thinking about it, I think, as we did, was not just that it looks like a great home that someone could fill, 
but that the previous owners ourselves were seen to be people who were good and mm. took care of it and buried our vibe inside yes. the house so that it could be shared with others. And you wanted to you wanted to present in a way that you're like, this is how we have taken care of it. Please return it in the same or as close to the same condition as possible. But also, please love it. Please feel at home here. It is a home. We want it to feel like your home. And ultimately, I feel like the renters that we have selected to live here, it they will treat it as a home. And it seems like it's a big tick for them to have this as their home and it's a big tick for us to have them in our home. So please, God, that's how that's how it's going to be. So we've actually when you think about it, Matt, we've achieved a lot and it's really just kind of the last two weeks where a lot of things have started to click into place, which is what happens. Like you, you can only achieve a certain amount of stuff with a couple of weeks to go. Like there's a lot of planning leading up to that. But in your last month, six weeks, it's when it really rockets and a lot has to be finalized in that time. And there could be a lot of anxiety as well. You're looking so far ahead all the time, but know that you can't do it until six weeks out or two months out or three weeks out and constantly preparing and waiting, being prepared for when we get off a 23 hour double flight back to back, get to passport control and be ready to, with the paperwork, say the right things and get the stamp that we need, well, that I need to be able to work in the country. All those things together, that's, that's a lot of us sitting on information we got very early, but not being able to execute on that until the moment we set foot in the country itself. So there can be a lot of, lot of pressure with those things, but that's why I think these last two weeks have been brilliant because yeah. it's all just fitted in like puzzle pieces that just required no effort to push in. Yeah, just made sense. And I think that's partly to do with just how fabulous people have been, but also to do with that level of preparation and pre-planning that has been, you know, part of our thought process for quite a long time. It's like, OK, this is the next thing then that we need to tackle. And we have just to give you a little insight of how we operate, we have a to do list on the fridge and every week there's more and more things being ticked off. But it's very it's under different categories like what I have to do, what Ma has to do, what we have to do relating to the house, relating to storing our worldly goods, relating to getting ready for jobs. So there's mm -hmm. a lot of categories, but it's very heartening to look at it and see things being ticked off. But like that, there's some things that can't be ticked off until, let's say, the storage container comes, that we can put all the things into storage. We can't do that until the storage container comes and it's coming in a couple of weeks time. So there's, like you say, there's a few sort of mental gymnastics that you have to keep going through until that's happening. It's just about pushing your anxiety forward and compartmentalizing until the moment when you need to unlock that box. Speaking of all of that kind of thing, Matt, emotionally and anxiety wise, and just generally, I guess, taking all the elements of mental and physical and emotional and spiritual health into account, how do you feel you're going? What do you think you've had to navigate recently? Well, I mean, it was, a, it was a tough time the last couple of weeks being fully transparent because for those listening that don't know, I've been trying to, to create my own podcast editing side hustle for the last probably five months, really, since January is when I started it. At the time, it was, it was great because I had a bunch of clients, some 
clients were paid, some weren't, but um, that was fine because it's all great experience. And as with most podcasts, you'd expect that their schedules a little bit, are a little bit different. And I'm trying to do this on top of a full-time job that I also transitioned between jobs working for the government meant that I could do that very easily. Uh, but it obviously takes a little bit more time. Like per week, I would probably be doing like 12 to 15 hours more technical work a week than I would have expected. And a couple of weeks ago, there was a time where a lot of the podcast work kind of overlapped at the same time, which meant that it was a little bit more hectic than it probably could be. And for any mathematicians out there, it was kind of like having a bunch of sine waves working in parallel, but having all the peaks happen at the same time. And that in addition to the full-time job and some of that anxiety of not being able to tick things off, waiting to do them or waiting for things to be confirmed meant that that was a bit of a tough time for me and for you, like seeing the, the pressure happen as well as dealing with your own pressures. It was, was a bit of a time. So we just need to be super aware of things like that. And you can, you can't plan them at the end of the day. Like I have four or five podcasting clients and throughout a single workday, I got an email from each of them asking for a thing, uh, which I could or couldn't do in that afternoon after I'd finished my full-time job. So it just kind of meant a bit of entrepreneurial time management at that stage. It's not pressure you need though. And admittedly, it was what I brought upon myself. But at the end of the day, uh, it was a blip on the radar because while there was that pressure cooker, immediately after that, we had uh, the showings of the property and landed a tenant very quickly. And the bank account got organized and all these things started falling in place that kind of relieved that pressure a little bit. So yeah, it's been a bit of a roller coaster mm. the last couple of weeks, but um, you know, it's the way that life goes sometimes and it's the way of things. I think one of the biggest learnings, and it's not a new learning, but one of the biggest learnings from that experience in the last couple of weeks is just to keep talking like to keep communicating how you're feeling mm. to each other and also to to be annoyed or to be angry or to be upset or to be sad or to be whatever emotion that you're feeling openly because I think there's a lot of expectation that you know from the outside a lot of people are like oh that's so exciting and it's like yeah it's super exciting it's also <laughs> list things. the emotions here you know and yeah. and you're navigating a much bigger I would say range of emotions because you're moving from your home country to another country for the first time. And yes, you've been to Ireland many times, but that doesn't mean that you've lived there and it doesn't mean that you, you know, have, have navigated, I guess, essentially what will be a bit of a culture shock there. You know, all of the things that are part and parcel of this move. And so you're, that's all simmering to some degree, whether we're aware of it or not. And then there's all the other bits and pieces on top. And you work incredibly hard at both of the jobs that you do, at your full-time paid work and at your your podcasting side gig. It's hard. It's hard to do everything. And it's hard to be there for everyone, be there for work, be there for podcasts, be there for yourself, be there for me. Mm. It's a lot. It's a lot to navigate. Yeah. Well, any entrepreneurial pursuit is going to take a bit of grind when it starts. Probably not the best time to start it in retrospect, five months out from making a big move. 
though a lot of my life is digital, so it makes it very straightforward to shuffle across. Um, if I'm looking back, I wouldn't, I wouldn't not do it again because mm-hmm. I've learned so much about podcasting and us being in your ears. If you listener know anybody who would like a podcast edited from, from Ireland, or if you know people in Ireland that are working in podcasting, get in touch. Uh, Absolutely. He's one of the best guys. He is one of the best. This husband of mine is a very talented <laughs> man. Try my best. But yeah, at the same time, look, there, there's emotions that you'll feel in the moment, the ones you expect, the ones that you don't. It's just the way things go. It's true. And deep down, the main emotion that I am still feeling for this move is excitement. The list of culinary items from the first episode are, of course, paramount. They still stand. <laughs> they still stand. The sausages haven't degraded as far as I'm aware. Um, but yeah, it's, mm. you know, just giving yourself room to feel feelings and not making it completely framework, structural and architectural. Yeah. It's an important thing. Yeah. But what about you? So I would say my canary in the mine is and always has been sleep or certainly in the past couple of years has been sleep. So thanks be to God, my sleep is much better this week. And but for the last couple of weeks, it was about five hours a night, five, five and a half. And I know for those of you who are parents, you're going to be like, yes, you don't know how lucky you are to have that amount of sleep. And I get it. But when you don't have a small child and you've never experienced or, you know, infrequently experience it, it's yeah, it was just it was a bit and I was feeling it. I was feeling frustrated with the fact that I just my I could feel like my body was trying to process the stress and I wasn't sleeping because of that, but I didn't feel stressed. So it was a really weird scenario. I think it was compounded a little bit by the fact that I was away on camp with my students, which was absolutely wonderful. But these are students that I've taught since they began secondary school. They're now at the end of secondary school. And so it's knowing that this process, this journey that we've been on since they began their secondary school journey is ending before their school year ends. And they still don't know that I'm going. And Mm. it's that you know, I was saying goodbye to them in those few days away without actually saying goodbye to them. And I was starting to get really emotional about that because my students are exceptional. Like I I do think a lot of teachers will say that, but genuinely I teach some of the most incredible people that you would ever meet. Without disclosing too much, if you have students in your class that, that you've told me about, that will behaviorally manage the class for you. I think you've got a good cohort there. It's very true. I have had some students turn around to other students and just say, hey, do you not know whose class you're in? Stop it. And I don't even (laughs) have to step in. So I do feel very lucky. Um, But I do think uh, I also, you know, poured lemon juice into the wound and started to listen to songs that bring up so many emotions. And I listened to them on repeat. So obviously I was crying. So there was a there was a couple of days where it just seemed to be wobbly is probably the best way to put it. And I do think a lack of sleep and I do think and a bit of an emotion roller coaster was part of it. Uh, and I did we did have a dinner party with some of our friends and one of our friends got a bit emotional. Uh, and then since then, as we've been packing up, I've been thinking things like, oh, gosh, what am I going to do? They're not going to be just down the road anymore. What am I going to do? You know, this person isn't going to be in my life every single day anymore. And I mean, it's all things that you would expect. But I suppose Mm. it's just it's the nearness to us leaving and the realization that, 
you know, Australia is very far from Ireland and Ireland is very far from Australia. And that's, you know, it's that's always been the case. It hasn't moved. But I think it's just that feeling of uh, this is a this is a big step and it always has been a big step. I think the difference between me making the move home away from the life that I have built and then we built together in Australia is that when I was leaving Ireland, I didn't expect that I was going for more than nine months. So Mm. I never mourned the life I was leaving behind because as far as I was concerned, I was only leaving it for a very short time. And so I I feel like there's a bit more, there's a grieving in a different way now. And it's just been interesting. I hadn't necessarily expected it, but my sleep has has come good this week. And I do think I didn't even realize it was something that I was worried about. But I do think having a renter for a home is a big part of it. And I never I didn't even think I was worried about that. Like I genuinely just thought that'll be fine. Well, that was a that's a big cog in the system that we want to leave behind that ensures that we're not going to be financially destitute at the end of it. Correct. So, yeah, kind of it's one thing that sets forward a bunch of things that relieves pressure in a lot of places. So it absolutely makes sense. Yeah. Mm. So what's next, Matt? What's our next steps? Because we've got not too long to go. No. Well, look, we're a couple of weeks out. I think for the podcast, I think we should try and record a couple more episodes before we actually get on the plane so that you listening have a chance to hear our, our opinions and feelings about things before we get on the plane and then you can hear a bunch after, which at the moment we're recording in a room. I'm kind of hoping it being Irish summer that we can set up in the middle of a field oh. on the front lawn oh, of your, yeah, of where we'll be and just record in the open air. How good would that be to hear the Irish birds in the background? Yeah. That'd be nice. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, good. But in terms of next steps, I think we just need to keep plowing ahead with the things that we're doing, get the house packed up and keep talking, mm-hmm. as you said, which we have been very good at, I would say. And I also think trying to, like the next couple of weeks, there's going to be some pressures, obviously, because like we're winding up our jobs for a year. Mm. We're starting to say goodbye to people and realize that we won't necessarily see them again before we head off. Your family have very kindly organized a little farewell for us, which is going to be lovely, but also obviously a little bit sad. Mm. And, And it's those kinds of things like I'm very aware of your family because I'm taking their beloved boy with me. Their technical support. An te- IT technician. Yep. <laughs> their technical support, but also their their son, their brother, their cousin, their beloved family member. And I do mm. think and I, I keep thinking of something your uncle said at our wedding reception. He came over to me and he was obviously so delighted that we were having such a beautiful day. But he said, just be careful, Bernadine, there's going to be a come down after this high. He's like, just be aware of the emotional thud. He mm. didn't necessarily put it in those words that will follow because he's like, you've been working towards this day and planning for this day and thinking about this day for so long. But on the far side of this, 
you will feel some emotions and that's okay. Just be prepared for it. And of course, in that moment, I was like, no, I'll be fine. (laughs) And then obviously uh, within a couple of weeks, it was like, oh dear. So I think that's the other thing that we probably both need to start thinking about is when we get to Ireland and we're there a couple of weeks, we'll have to navigate some different emotions Mm. from the high back to, I guess, leveling. But it's something we're thinking ahead about. It's not the first time we've left the country together. True, very true. Potentially coming back. But uh, we've been going through every step of the journey together and I think we can keep going with it. And we're going to take you guys with us. So please keep listening. Keep listening to the podcast. You can actually get in touch with us and send us an email if you want. Yep. So we've got an Instagram and we've got a Facebook and we've got an email address. If you would like to email us, fmhtypodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us at our tags, whatever I just said on Instagram. (laughs) FMHTY, FMHTY. In addition to Facebook eventually as well. Yep. We'll probably be making ourselves or one of ourselves known in a lot of the groups that we've mentioned already on Facebook, the expats group, the Aussies and Kiwis living in Ireland group. And look, as much as we're at the beginning of this journey and figuring stuff out, we'd be more than happy for you to ask any questions that you've got. And once we get enough, we might uh, answer them on the show. Absolutely. So yeah, it would be really appreciated if you could just connect with us and let us know that you're there and you're part of this journey. You're one of our homies. And look, we're not desperate for it. But just give us five stars on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and we'll be fine. Absolutely. It, we're not thirsty for five stars, but if you give us anything less than five stars, we will find you and we will hurt you. So just give us a five star review and just save everybody the bother because I don't really want to have to go into my past life of crime again. It's not a threat. It's a promise. And with that, I've been Matt. And I've been Bernadine. And you should light the f- candle. You should light the f- candle and move to Ireland. It's launcher. It's launcher. <laughs>